Today on Ag News Daily. We're proposing the hours of service amendments for livestock, and if we can't get that through, which I'm, I would be surprised between now and December that we do get that through. The other side of that is we're just going to ask for an exemption. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Today is Friday, May 12th, and we are at the end of our week here for the Ag News Daily Podcast. My name is Delaney Howell, and I am one of your hosts. Joining me is my co-host, Mike Pearson. Mike, what's new with you today? What is new with me is that the Kubota repair tech finally left yesterday at about 5, uh, discovered the problem is a hydraulic pump, and they're going to get one ordered and uh, get it in. So I'll be able to do chores with a cab again here, I don't know, I hope next week. Is it going to be a million dollars? It is not a million dollars. It is cheaper okay, than a new tractor, so we're gonna go ahead okay, and do good. it. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Although I haven't seen the uh, haven't seen the bill yet for his time here on site, which I'm mm. sure will also be expensive. What and time did he finally leave? About five. He was here. From, oh my gosh! You know, so probably about nine thirty till oh four thirty, I suppose. A full day almost. Yeah, a full day. A full day of attack on the road. That mm-hmm. doesn't feel cheap. Mm-mm. Nope, no. I would say not. So how about you, Delaney? You got any big weekend plans? Mm, it's Mother's Day this weekend, so it I'll probably make is. the trip home. Did you send your mom flowers? I am going to do that as soon as we finish recording. Okay, yes, good. thank you. Good idea. Yep, yep, yep. Other than that, I don't know. Mom, My mom texted me this morning and said that they're working on the pool, so I don't really know that it'll be warm enough to swim. But What does that mean, working on the pool? Do your folks have a pool? Yeah, we have a pool. Wow. It's just an above-ground pool, but yeah. Man. We've had one for as long as I can remember. Really? Do you use it a lot? Mm-hmm. Huh. I always feel like that'd be something I would get and then would forget to clean out, no. and then it'd be gross, yeah. and then a raccoon would die in it, and well, I'd never use it. <laughs> it's usually gross. We leave water in it during the winter, so it's usually gross at first. Like I'm sure it's gross right now when they're cleaning it out, but... Other than that, they do a really good job of making it clean and keeping it up. So it's always nice to go home and have a little dip. Well, yeah. No, that sounds fun. I might get mm-hmm. my uh, get my boat out this weekend and get oh. it all ready for the. And I might even take it out. It's supposed to be warm and, and windy this weekend. So it is. Yeah. Get a little sailboat out. Do a little sailing. Mm-hmm. Get my that captain's, sounds nice. Captain's hat on. <laughs> <laughs> your boat shoes and my boat shoes yeah which uh you know it's interesting to me delaney did you ever show cattle yes i did were sperry topsiders the shoes no, of choice that was not a shoe of choice now i think the new shoe of choice is twisted x's i don't know what those are they're kind of like sperry's but they're a little more moccasin looking huh and that would just really shock me i think it was at the state fair this last year and i saw all these uh mm-hmm. cattle show people Rocking the Sperry's, and I was like, "Well, this is." I don't think I would be wearing Sperry's if the cow stepped on your foot. Mm-mm. Yeah, I just and they're very low cut, so you'd get sawdust yeah. and everything. Well, some of them are. You can get ones that are higher, higher topped. Okay, interesting. But, Any yeah. cattle show people you want to defend the uh, <laughs> the reason for wearing Sperry's? By all means, get on our Facebook page or Twitter. Find us at Ag News Daily and and let us know the the logic behind that. Maybe it's just a fashion thing. Maybe it's not a logic thing, but uh, I, I'd be interested to. Learn. I would say it's the fashion. I would too. As a woman, I would say it's fashion. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, I do have a pair of Sperry's. They're boat shoes that I wear on my boat. Mm-hmm. I don't wear them in with the cattle because there's poop. 
Right. <laughs> lots and lots of poop. Speaking of poop, Delaney, what's the oh poop on the uh, the national ag scene? That's a um, interesting segue there, Mike. Isn't but, it? It's a Friday yeah. segue. We're going to have some Okay. Fun. All right. Uh, let's see. I just have a, a quick addition to make to the undersecretary story that we reported on yesterday that's speaking about Sonny Purdue's new announcement that the USDA will have a trade undersecretary. And some of the concern coming from the White House and from D.C. is that by by um, having this new trade secretary position, they're having to eliminate the undersecretary for rural development, which oversees three agencies for utility, housing and business cooperative services. And so I think that's just one of the one of the um, concerns behind it. But also this job is not yet confirmed in the Senate. So we will see if that is confirmed. The undersecretary isn't confirmed. Yes. Okay. Right. Gotcha. Well, you know, you can't shake things up without upsetting a few people. So we'll see That's if true. That's true. Takes takes effect. Um, mm-hmm. One of the interesting things I saw, this was reported yesterday. It was reported by Mark Zandi, who is the chief economist at Moody's Analytics. He says that the 4.4% unemployment rate that we're at today is... For all intents and purposes, full employment. Uh, We have seen, he says, with the economy at full employment and seeming destined to blow past it, meaning uh, unemployment rates could drop even farther, he is worried about an overheating economy where tight labor markets result in significant wage and price pressures. And that is something that is a necessary condition for all past recessions. So he's a little getting a little concerned about inflation, which, for the grain markets, we might welcome a little bit of a price increase across mm-hmm. the board. So I think that's fascinating. In 10 years, we have not seen a period of full employment until you know, right recently when that March jobs report was announced, whenever that was, two or three weeks mm-hmm. ago. Right. A little longer than that, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of live in a vacuum. What else you got, Delaney? <laughs> in other news coming out of the White House, we do finally have confirmation on Robert Lighthizer as the new U.S. Trade Representative or Secretary. I'm not sure what the correct US what the correct title trade is. Trade Representative, I think, is Trader. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, and so he there wasn't a lot of op- opposition in the White House or in the Senate. He got a vote of 82 to 14, so. Wow. So did McCain and Sass vote against him? Does it well, say? I, yeah, they, yep, never mind. I just read, scrolled through a little farther in the article and it said they did oppose his nomination. Okay, but still had more than enough. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, 82 to 14, definitely enough to well, get through. So McCain voted against Lighthizer. He was also on the books yesterday. He was a surprise no vote on the methane repeal Mm. that congress was trying to do it was part of the cra congressional review act since this was uh one of obama's final actions it wasn't a final one but it was close enough the congress could go back and just undo it with a simple majority and it failed uh basically it was yeah so john mccain Lindsey Graham and Susan Collins from Maine voted with all of the Senate's 48 Democrats, and the measure lost 51 to 49. Collins and Graham, they'd known we'd known for a long time they were going to vote against it. McCain was a surprise, came out last night and was like, whoa, no, and uh, kind of caught everybody off guard. And I wonder, and this is just me doing a little 
back-of-the-envelope political science calculation, mm-hmm. McCain does not care that much for President Donald Trump. They have had words for each other several times since Trump's election and before then. And, uh, you know, when, when President Trump said he didn't respect McCain because he was captured in Vietnam and so on. So I wonder if this no vote was just maybe a very subtle middle finger to the president. Mm, you know, great. this was the only of the 14 CRA votes, votes to repeal Obama's actions. Uh, this is the only one that failed, and it was the final one. So, mm-hmm. hmm. Interesting. What else you got? There was some big news, Delaney, this uh, yesterday or this morning, wasn't there, when it comes to the beef there market? There was. There was. We finally have received notification or confirmation that China will be opening themselves to the U.S. They have one more round of negotiations, from what I understand. Is that how you read it too, Mike? Yes, that is what I understand, but they do have a clock ticking on that final mm-hmm. round. Yeah, I think they have until July, middle of July, I think is what I saw. Yes, as part of the deal, China has agreed to accept U.S. beef imports by July 16th. So July 16th, yep, yep, that sounds right. And with that, too, there are a couple other pieces, and I, I, I assume that these are quid pro quo, but so to, for us to get beef into China, I think we now have to accept chicken or poultry cooked products from China. And the uh, agreement will also welcome, or the Chinese companies will also welcome U.S. companies seeking permits to build facilities to process liquefied gas. LNG, liquefied natural gas. Mm -hmm. So they'll be building those facilities in China? Yes, that's the way I understand it. Okay. Huh, interesting. But uh, the big news there is hopefully we can find some more buyers for U.S. Mm-hmm. Delicious, delicious, well-marbled, wonderful to serve in any occasion, U.S. beef. Mm-hmm. And there are still some people that say this is not really a real breakthrough yet because nothing official has come about. But it's definitely a foot in the right direction. Yeah, this is as concrete of a essentially an order that we've seen you know, 10 years from the Chinese. Mm-hmm. This is as close as we've gotten to actually getting the product out the door and into their into their hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if anybody's interested in reading some of the more fine-tuned pieces about um, the deal or what's going on, AgWeb, which is powered by the Farm Journal, has two really great articles that give a lot of detail about what's going to happen and sort of the timeline for all of that. Perfect. And thehill.com, just a shout out to them. They have also done a, a good job covering this story and uh, have a nice piece on it as well. Well, Delaney, have you got any other news for us? Anything uh, anything cooking or should we just talk a little bit about who we're talking to today and what that's about? Well, I think we should do the markets first, Mike, and then we'll talk about who are who our guest is for today? I would love to talk about the markets over in the grains in the corn market. The July old crop corn is up one and a half cents, closed the day at three seventy and three quarters. December seventeen new crop corn up one and a quarter, closed at three eighty eight and three quarters. Looking at soybeans, the July contract dropped three and a quarter cents, closed the day at nine sixty three even. The November contract dropped four and three quarter cents, finished at nine fifty nine and a quarter. Looking at Chicago wheat, July wheat down three quarters of a cent, closed at 433 even. The December contract dropped a penny 
ending the day at 466 and a quarter. All right. Looking over on the livestock side, certainly helped by news of China accepting U.S. beef uh, imports, I would imagine. June live cattle rose a buck twenty-five, closed at one twenty-five seventeen and a half. The August contract rose two dollars ten cents, finished at one twenty-one seventy-seven and a half. And if we look at feeder cattle, Delaney Howell, the May contract was up two dollars seventeen and a half cents. Closed the day at 144.55. And the August contract, Delaney, do you want to know what it did today? Did it go limit up? It went limit up. August feeder cattle, <laughs> limit up, finished at 151.82 and a half. And if we look at September, September, October, and November, all the subsequent contracts were also, Delaney, Limit up. Limit up. That is correct. Looking at lean hogs, the June lean hog market rose 90 cents, closed at 77.95 even. The July contract up $1.52 and a half, closed at 78.60. Looking at the milk market, really the first down day in milk uh, since Tuesday, the June contract dropped 17 cents to close the day at 16.21. That's the market wrap-up for this week of May 12th, heading into Mother's Day, which I am so glad you said something, Delaney. Mm -hmm. Now, who are we going to be talking to today, and what are we talking about? We are talking to Steve Hilker today. He owns Hilker Trucking, and as you mentioned yesterday, his web address is cattletrucks.com, and he is also the chairman for transportation for the U.S. Cattlemen's, and we are going to be talking electronic logging. That's right. This is an issue that uh, our, good, our good friend Kurt Dahlmeyer brought to uh, brought to our attention. So what? About probably two months ago now, a month yeah. and a half ago. Yeah. And uh, we've been following it. Of course, the ELDs are a device that will track when a truck is running, and so then we can track ideally when the driver is driving versus sleeping, and there will be no more double books, which I'm sure none of our listeners ever kept. We're all <laughs> law-abiding people. Mm -hmm. um, right. The ELD ideally would go get away from all that. It would automate it. But the problem that we're running into is, okay, how do you track it? And how does this affect the transportation of living creatures through all kinds of weather? And uh, so that's where Steve's concerns and the U.S. Cattlemen's concerns lay. And uh, he really does a good job sharing with us what they're doing to try and make this work. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined today by Steve Hilker. He is the owner of Hilker Trucking, and he is the chair of the Transportation Committee at uh, U.S. Cattlemen's Association. Now, Steve, we wanted to have you on to talk to us a little bit more about these electronic logging devices that are going to be mandated by law to be in all trucks 2000 and newer by December 18th. You're well-connected with this industry. You haul a lot of cattle every single year. Tell us, what are your thoughts on these ELDs, and what would it mean for your business? Well, for my business specifically, it's probably not a big game-changer because of where I'm at geographically in southwest Kansas. I'm right in the middle of all these big packing plants, and I can probably modify my business just a little bit, and it's not it's not going to change what we do a whole lot where it does where it is going to impact livestock transportation is the fall runs the cattle that come out of the northwest the mountain states uh, any basically anything over 500 miles cattle that come out of the southeast 
it's really going to affect the hog haulers, uh, the pork industry. Uh, it'll also affect the sheep and lamb industry. I'm not very familiar with that. I don't do, and actually, all I haul is cattle. I don't. Okay. We haven't hauled any, any pigs in 15 or 20 years, but it it will really affect them because many of them come out of the Carolinas and Pennsylvania, back in that area, out into Nebraska and Iowa. So it, anything over about 500 miles becomes much more expensive and a, a big, much more challenging to do. What is it, this change? Why would adding an ELD make it uh, a lot more expensive to transport livestock over 500 miles? Well, you have the expense of the device itself um, and then the monthly ongoing charges. Where where it creates challenges in, in our industry is we burn so many hours that we just waste. Waiting in line here, waiting for a brand inspector there, sorting cattle. Waiting at the sale barn for loads, it's just wait, wait, wait. And once you go on duty, when you start that truck, that onboard recorder starts recording your on-duty status, and you know you're just burning up hours. And you're not going anywhere, even though you could be in the sleeper, off duty. You started that truck and went on duty, and the way the, the hours of service are written now, that you know they've been amended and amended again, and but. You can't go back in the sleeper for two hours or four hours and it do you any good. For it to do you any good at all, it really has to be ten hours in the sleeper unbroken. Hmm. Uh, so, if, you know, if you're coming out of Montana and you waited two or three hours to get loaded, uh, so you got basically seven hours. If it was three hours to get loaded, you got about seven hours because you got to find a place to unload. You can drive eleven hours, but you know, you can't drive right up to the end of that because you're going to have to find some place to unload and put them, you know, so then there's there's that. There's not facilities. You know, there's bio, there's biohazard with commingling. Um, so when they first started using hours of service 50 years ago, whenever it was, I, I don't know when it started. You know, I, I drove 30-something years ago and we were, paper logs and it's a $10 fine if you didn't have it current. But anyway, uh, from the start, there should have been livestock exemptions, and there has not been. And now with this, it's just brought it, we just brought it forward, and we have got to get some exemptions in place for livestock transportation. Do you know why there was the change in, in ruling, why they decided to change to the electronic logging book system? Uh, you know, it's, it's in the interest of public safety. I mean, that's how they do it. it. A lot of the big mega fleets are for that. You know, I guess back, going back to safety, well, we all want safe highways, and, and there's no data that proves that an electronic log, as opposed to the way it's been done, is more or less safe. There's, you, can, you can drag data out and prove it either way. But the big carriers, you know, their model are about 500-mile terminals, and that works for them. You know, they can download all their information, payrolls. It, you know, automation just makes it uh, much cleaner and simpler for those guys that have 2,000 trucks or, or more. Um, but there was nobody at the table. There's never been anybody at the table when hours of service mandates are 
proposed and written from the livestock industry. There was never any thought given to a living, breathing commodity. When yeah. we get that in front of people, then they kind of get it. You know, they, oh, yeah, that's, well, that, that won't work. And now, Steve, as things sit today, there are currently exemptions for uh, for some trucks working out in the oil fields. At the U.S. Cattlemen, have you guys had any success starting this conversation to uh, to get an exemption? You know, I've, we have come so far, and I can't say enough about the guys at the U.S. Cattlemen and, you know, get picking up the ball and running with it. We, uh, you know, when you can't just say, well, we can't do this without proposing an alternative. And that's what we've done. We said, okay, this doesn't work. We can't do this. Here's what we can, here's what we need to do. And we're kind of going forward with two, with a two pronged approach. One is we have piggybacked off the oil field exemption, kind of modeled off of it and made it livestock specific. So there's already been a precedent set with exemptions in the oil field. And we just uh, used that as a model where I don't want to drag you through a whole lot of the details, but um, we can use their hours of service exemptions would fit pretty well with the livestock industry. Which are effectively uh, that uh, while you're stopped, while you're waiting for a load, you can be out of service and not have it count towards your 11 hours, correct? Is that? You can be off duty and you can and uh, you can use a split sleeper berth like we used to back in the day. You know, you can go, you need that 10 hours in the sleeper unbroken now. Well, you can go two and eight, three and okay. seven, and it, and it counts. Another thing we proposed is uh, if you take a, if you're on one of those long trips, if you go into the sleeper for five hours and get a five-hour rest, you can extend your drive five hours. So uh, we've got data from Kansas State University that that bears that shows you you can't have cattle in transit more than 28 hours without having you know, the mortality rate goes up and all that. So 28 hours is pretty well where we're saying you've got to put them on the ground. Okay. And that being said, you know, there's just not facilities currently available in any widespread form in any of the traffic lanes to be able just to just unload. And you're not talking about just one, one load. Okay, what if there's 10 or 12? I mean, there's got to be sanitary facilities for that and they're just not out there so and they're not going to be out there between now and december or the next couple of decembers so we're proposing the hours of service amendments for livestock and if we can't get that through which i'm i would be surprised between now and december that we do get that through okay the other side of that is we're just going to ask for an exemption for three years of the mm -hmm. eld mandate in order to get a little more study done where where can we put these facilities if, you know to unload where are the traffic lanes because if we don't get something between now and December 17th it's going to be it's, it'll be a disaster mm -hmm. so a question I had for you is what is the difference on the plan that the Cattlemen's Association is putting together versus the stance that OI, OOIDA takes for the ELD mandate um, OIDA is basically trying to hold, throw the entire mandate out. Okay. It's an invasion of privacy. Uh, 
we're not choosing to fight the bigger, bigger battle. We need to focus on livestock in transit. That's what we do. That's what we know. Um, so that, that, that's the main difference. So Ida is fighting, fighting it on the broad front, trying to get the whole thing thrown out. We're, we're just trying to get exemptions for livestock. My follow-up question then is, have you been working with any other livestock groups? We have. We've picked up a lot of speed here. I was on a call a week ago today, and uh, there's people from the Pork Producers Council were uh, represented. There was, well, I shouldn't say Pork Producers Council. There's people in the pork industry that were on the call. There was uh, some packers that were on the call. Um, so, yeah, and there were some people in, in the sheep and lamb industry that were on the call. We uh, have been well-received by various senators and congressmen that are heavily livestock, uh, represent heavy livestock areas. You know, once once we get in front of them and lay it out, they, they've been very supportive. Uh, we have meetings set in Washington, D.C., June 5, 6, and 7, to try to meet with some of the senators and congressmen in Washington, and hopefully some people from, I don't want to say who because we don't have it firmed up yet, mm-hmm. but in the yep. Protection Department and Department of Agriculture. So I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more optimistic than I was probably six months ago because of the reception that we've gotten. Um, it's, been, it's been pretty amazing to see this grassroots thing actually gain traction and gain it rapidly and the people that have come on board there's some really smart people attorneys that have written this stuff and gone through it and uh, got some people working on capitol hill to get some language stuck in the appropriations bill for us so it's uh i'm a lot more optimistic than i was has secretary purdue voiced any support or opposition for what you guys are doing I know they're in contact with his office. We're hoping to meet with him when we're there. I have not heard back if that's gotten firmed up or not. Okay. But no, he's not. I'm not aware of for or against. Now, Steve, for a lot of the the listeners that we have, of course, we're based in Iowa, and you look at Iowa, South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, for us to get anything down to a a packer, aside from the the few that are right up in our backyard, you know, we're hauling them all the way down to the Garden City, as you mentioned, the pork industry. Uh, Dairy, of course, not, not quite as affected, being as processors are closer by. But if this is an issue that folks up here feel strongly about, what's the best way to help make a difference? Should we be calling our senators and congresspeople? Should we call the Department of Transportation? What do you recommend? You know, we've gotten good support out of your representatives in Iowa. They were some of the first ones to, to catch on and really understand what it is. So, yes, go go back through your elected congressmen and senators. Um, that's the best way to do it, and I would do it in a written form. And... Uh, follow up with a phone call uh, we, we've gotten some responses back from different representatives and it was just obviously a canned response you know yes we address your concerns blah 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 that gets a phone call come on you didn't really read you're not hearing what we're saying here so 
But then there's been others that, you know, they obviously did and did a little research and responded back in a thoughtful way. So that's the best way is to, to move it forward is to go through your elected officials. Okay. All right, right, Steve. Well, we are going to keep following this issue as we get through the summer and on closer to the implementation date of December 18th. And uh, we would love to be able to have a conversation with you when you get back from D.C. and Mm -hmm. hear how things went. That would be, yeah, I'd I'd love to do that. And I'm really optimistic. I know a lot of the the group that's going, um, and I've seen a tentative list of who we're going to meet with. And I'm pretty excited to go, you know, and I've never been there before, so this is all new to me. You know, I'm just a trucker out here in western Kansas. So. <laughs> Those are the people we need in D.C., people with, with common sense yeah. who have uh, turned a wheel once in a while and mm-hmm. made things happen. Probably do a, we could probably do a whole other show about what we need in D.C. <laughs> we could do we could do weeks and weeks of shows, I think, when we look at yeah, that side can. of things. A little uh, cattleman trucker wisdom would probably be uh, be welcomed out there. With all that being said, Steve, really want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today and uh, wish you the best of luck as this moves forward. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and getting this out there. Again, as Steve mentioned, those electronic logging um, mandates will go into effect December 18th. And so they are going to Washington, D.C. here in in June to hopefully have something happen, if not just livestock exemptions. But this is a very real issue that will affect a lot of farmers. It will. Farmers and truckers and end users, as these additional freight fees will have to come mm-hmm. out of somebody's That's pocket. Right. That's and, right. You know, there's a whole lot of folks who could benefit from being more engaged in this issue in the world of livestock, I think. Yeah, right. And as Steve mentioned, if if this is an issue to you, and even if it's not directly impacting your operations, it doesn't hurt to reach out to your congressman or woman and voice your opinions about the issue. I mean, as part of the Young Cattlemen's Leadership Program, which I'm currently involved in, we had the opportunity to go and speak with our legislators, and they want to hear from us, especially those young people that are just now kind of going back to the farm or getting involved in agriculture. You bet. It's the voices from the uh, from the countryside, and I mean that in a big way. It's the voices from outside D.C. that bring attention to these issues, because mm-hmm. just like you and I, Delaney, can't handle covering all of agriculture as two people. We need the help from our, our listeners our senators and congresspeople need the help from their constituents to know That's hey, right. this is something we should take another look at. And I think looking at an exemption for livestock is certainly worth the time. Mm-hmm. I would agree. With all of that being said, Delaney, should we encourage folks to subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Music and check us out on Facebook and on Twitter. Find us at Ag News Daily. And uh, have a good weekend and celebrate your mother's whether they're your mothers or the mothers of your child or the mothers of your mothers (laughs) or whatever, mothers of nieces and nephews, moms of all types. (laughs) All right, Mike. Well, with that, let's let the people go. Let's let them go.